This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner! Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Thought the apologies were whatever. Uh, I thought Jim Cranes was weak. Um, I thought Manfred's punishment was weak, giving him immunity. Um, I mean, these guys were cheating for three years. Um, you know, I think what people don't realize is Altuve stole an MVP from Judge in 17. Um, everyone knows they stole the ring from us. I know personally I lost respect for those guys. Um, I think I would say everyone in the show, in the big leagues, lost respect for those guys. I don't know what human hits a walk-off home run against Raldis Chapman to send your team to the World Series. And one has the thought to say, don't rip my jersey off, but two, go in the tunnel, change your shirt, and then come out and do your interview. Like that, that makes no sense to me. It makes zero sense to me, because I know me. Gary Sanchez said yesterday, you can rip my shirt off, my pants off. I sent my team the World Series off for all this Chapman in the ninth inning at home. You can do, you know, I'm going crazy. That's about as definitive as it gets, and that's Cody Bellinger. That's not just any player. That's the National League MVP talking about the Houston Astros. The Dodgers' first baseman said the Astros stole the 2017 World Series from them and that Jose Altuve stole the MVP from the Yankees' Aaron Judge. This uh, is just getting started. By the way, here's the response from Astros shortstop Carlos Correa with Ken Rosenthal of MLB Network. Take a listen to this. Whatever people have to say, the facts that people have to say, we got to take that on the chin. But what I, like I said before, what doesn't sit well with me is when you say false statements. If you don't know the facts, if you're not informed, this is America, Ken. You can say whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. But Cody Bellinger's job is to look for information, get informed, know the facts for sure before he stands in front of cameras to talk about other players. You should get informed. You should be informed before you talk about other players. If you don't know the facts, then you got to chill. All right, a number of players have expressed frustration, even anger, mm -hmm. that the Astros players were not punished. Mm -hmm. Do you understand that sentiment? Absolutely. I understand it. And like I said, what we did is not right. And, you know, when we were waiting for the commissioner's uh, report, you know, anything could happen. But when he talked to us in the investigation, he told us that we had immunity in order for all the players to talk and tell the truth about what happened. So with that being said, if somebody grants you immunity, then they can take that back and just punish you after they told you that you have immunity. So, you know, he, he's calling our owner weak. Our owner, he's calling weak. A guy that came to the United States with 10 bucks may 
so much money that he could buy the Houston Astros, didn't know about what was going on early in 2017, and you're going to sit there because he's trying his best to protect our organization and, uh, and well, apologize. He said, he said that he didn't think what you guys did affected the games. I know. And but you we all know that it affected the games. you got to understand that he's not a baseball player like we are. You're around baseball all the time. You talk to us all the time, Ken. I know for a fact as a player that if I know what's coming, I'm going to have an advantage. Yeah. But he doesn't stand up there and hit. He just knows that hitting is just hard. You know what I mean? So when you think hitting is hard, you think that even if you know what's coming, it's hard. Because he doesn't play baseball, Ken. He's not around the game like you are. You talk to all of us. I tell you, I was looking for this pitch. I was looking for that. And you know if I'm looking for a pitch, I got a better chance of hitting it. You know what's even better is when you know what pitch is coming because your team tells you because they saw it on a camera in the dugout and banged on a trash can to tell you exactly what pitch is coming. I mean, Carlos, are you kidding me? I mean, at some point, don't you just have to be remorseful, put your head down, and go back to work? <laughs> All you have to do is hear what Bellinger said. He's just one of them. I mean, Ross Stripling, the Dodgers pitcher, has already indicated that he might intentionally throw at Houston batters. Houston's got a game here pretty soon. Cardinals are going to play him a lot, but Houston's got a game here pretty soon. Dusty Baker wants baseball to end this criticism. He should because... He thinks that uh, baseball should take steps to ensure that pitchers don't throw at his players. This thing is exploding right in front of our faces, right in front of the Astros' faces. Here's the thing about the Astros that they don't understand and that Correa apparently doesn't understand. This isn't about the 2017 World Series, okay? This is about what's happened the last few years. It's not about the 2017 World Series. It's about how you got to the 2017 World Series. It's about how you've... Because of the sign stealing, it's not about that specific World Series. It's about the number of players who either lost their jobs or lost a lot of money because you knew what pitch was coming. You know, it's about teams, fans, cities, other teams, baseball. It's it's way beyond a series, which he, in this entire thing, which is like nine minutes, he breaks down each World Series game. And we were on the road for this one. And this one, the ball got away from the pitcher. So those are some runs that counted that had nothing to do with our science ceiling scheme. Like, there's no apology or remorse. It's like they're he's continuing to defend himself. The best thing to do is somebody needs to take hold of the Houston Astros from a PR standpoint and say, you got to stop. I mean, you've got to just go play ball. You know, at this point, Rob Manfred's let the players off the hook. So just go play ball. I mean, there's no, there's not much more at this point. And I don't blame Cody Bellinger and the players for being upset one bit, one bit. And by the way, there is still an investigation into the Boston Red Sox, and there's more to it. I will agree with what John Smoltz said, which I wish I had that soundbite for you, but he talked to MLB Network Radio, and one of the things that he said was, be careful if you're being critical, look yourself in the mirror, because there are other players who did this too, and other teams perhaps that did this too, so make sure that you're clean. You know, It's kind of like the steroid thing in a lot of ways. They are, it's different, in that the steroid era uh, at that time, 
if you took steroids and you were enormous, you still had to see and hit the ball. Now, if you hit it and you missed it and you hit a fly ball, that ball's going to go out of the park because you're a lot stronger and you recovered from injuries. That is an advantage for sure. The similarity here is that the players who did not engage in that feel like they were cheated. So it it goes well beyond just a series. And I know they're trying to focus on this one thing, but the the more the Astros continue to talk about it, the worse it's getting for them. I mean, they're just digging deeper and deeper, and it's getting bad. So anyway, that's the way we're starting the show today. On a beautiful day for baseball, but we're not playing baseball today. First game is on Saturday, February 22nd, when the Cardinals take on the Mets. How about yesterday was the last Saturday that you didn't have a baseball game scheduled until hopefully November you're going to have Cardinal baseball all the way through. And this morning, we're going to talk to Chris Raby. He's down in Jupiter. We'll discuss Cardinals with him. He's waiting for us at 1030. At 1130, we're going to talk things over with John Mosellock, the Cardinals president of baseball operations. That's become, James, a very popular segment. I wonder why. For whatever reason, people are really into Nolan Arenado. Now, he did give us a couple of things last time. That was two weeks ago. That made you think that... Any blockbuster trade like that, without mentioning his name, he's not going to mention his name because he can't do that, uh, is going to require a lot of patience and a lot of understanding that it takes two sides and it's very complicated. So uh, what I'm going to ask John about is about his club, but we will ask him about the off season and moving forward. And I'll bring up a couple of comments from some fans uh, about the encouragement they felt a couple of weeks ago and kind of where we stand at this point from that standpoint, if that makes sense. Okay. We have a lot of things going on. First of all, in in terms of what happened last night in sports, you have to start with the Missouri Tigers, don't you? I mean, the Missouri Tigers beat Auburn, the number 11 team in the country, 22 and two. And Missouri was sitting at two games under 500 at 11 and 13. And they won the ball game and they look great. This was not, a game where they just sort of eked out a win. Missouri looked fantastic last night. I am so impressed with what Conzo Martin did because he did it without uh, Mark Smith, who's been hurt. He's doing it without Jeremiah Tillman, who's sitting out. Basically, two of his best players have been dealing with injuries, and Xavier Pinson had 28 points. He looks fantastic. Drew Smith had 28 points. He's been great all year. And Missouri won the game 85-73 over the number 11 team in the country. These weren't the only ones that were performing at a high level. They also had uh, 10 points, 9 rebounds, and 2 assists, a rebound away from a double-double for Kobe Brown. They had a very good effort. It doesn't show in the scorebook with 6 points and 3 rebounds, but Reed Nicko is playing his tail off as a big man in place of Tillman. The Tigers only play nine players. Now, Smith did play, Mark Smith, but he's just not himself. He was one of six from the floor. He was uh, two points and three rebounds. This is all about, uh, I'm sorry, Mitchell Smith had two points and three rebounds. He played, um, but you know he wasn't that effective, one of six. I don't want to leave Mitchell out. He's an important player on this team. But this is about Reed Nicko, the big man, really carrying a lot of the load inside, I love the way that he plays. I love the way Brown plays. And again, they're doing this without Mark Smith. They're doing this without Jeremiah Tillman. And the Tigers, with an 85-73 win over the number 11 team in the country, is significant. What does it mean? They're not going to make the tournament based on that. They have a lot of work to do. But in the SEC tournament, 
Maybe they make a little noise. Maybe they can do something here down the stretch. Missouri finally showing some signs of cohesion after what has been a very up-and-down season. Uh, SLU also won. Good win for SLU. They won yesterday, beating LaSalle by the final of 84-69. Javante Perkins had 24 points. Number 22, Illinois, lost on the road at Rutgers, 72-57. I know Illini fans hate that. But the Big Ten on the road has been awful this season. It's very, very hard to win on the road. These teams have a home court advantage, and the Big Ten's the best conference in the country by a long shot. Nobody's even close. In the Missouri Valley Conference, it was a good win for Bradley, beating a hot Southern Illinois team, 69-67. Missouri State plays at Indiana State today at 3 o'clock. Southeast Missouri State beat SIUE 75-71 in Ohio Valley play. Today is the Daytona 500. We will have at 1045 Chris Blair, the general manager of Worldwide Technology Raceway. He is along with us. It's Ricky Stenhouse Jr. who is the pole sitter for this race. It is a just great tradition, and I can't wait to see it. It's going to be awesome. It is the Super Bowl of NASCAR, and it's happening in Daytona, and Chris Blair is doing such great things to try to bring NASCAR to St. Louis, and we're going to try to get an update on those efforts on the way here at 1045. Then in the 11 o'clock hour, Kurt Hunziker of the St. Louis Battlehawks. Their president is in Houston, and he will join us right off the top of the 11 o'clock hour to discuss his 1-0 team playing the team that many believe is the best team in the XFL, the Houston Roughnecks. I went to practice this week. I saw the Battlehawks practice over at the former Rams Park, and I caught up with Marcus Lucas, their wide receiver tight end. He'll join me as well. That's happening at 11.20, then 11.30, John Mosellock, and then we'll hear from the Cardinals center fielder Harrison Bader at 11.45. Full show, a lot of good stuff to get to, and when we come back, we'll learn about what's happening with the St. Louis Blues. They are in a slide right now. We'll tell you how much of a slide, what they're doing, and what they need to do to bring it back. The standings are very tight right now in the Western Conference. They still lead, but by only a point. And they have a game today. After losing to the Predators yesterday 4-3, to they visit them today at 5 o'clock. It's all on the way. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Lindbergh. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Back on KMOX, Tom Ackerman with you. Sports on a Sunday morning. A lot of good things to get to. Let's first talk about the St. Louis Blues. I mean, that's good. I like talking about them, but it's been a struggle lately. The Blues lost yesterday again. Final score was 4-3 to three at Enterprise Center. It's been an emotional week. There's no doubt about that with the collapse of Jay Bomeister on Tuesday night in Anaheim. Bomeister has since recovered. He had... Uh, surgery and things are looking better for him but that cardiac episode uh, scared I know everybody and especially those players who were right there by his side the Blues are trying to get themselves going here they have struggled defending basically to put it simply they are the worst defensive team in the league right now they were giving up three and a half goals a game the last 11 straight games they've allowed three or more goals and they've lost nine of those 11 It's a struggle right now for the Blues, who are the number one team in the Western Conference. They're still number one. 
but only by a point over Dallas and only two points over Colorado, two teams that are in their division. In a blink, the Blues could be in third place in their own division. But the Stanley Cup champions saw Michael Granlin score a power play goal early in the third after they had rallied. The Blues did from a two-goal deficit, and the Predators were able to hold off the Blues 4-3. to Nashville's now 3-0 and this season against the Blues, and that, of course, doesn't sit well with Blues fans who identify the Predators as one of their top rivals. Zach Sanford's been hot. He had four goals in that game against Vegas, and he scored again yesterday. But it wasn't enough as the Blues lost the game 4-3. to three. Let's go right to the coach. Here is Craig Berube on what has been a difficult week on many levels. I think it's pretty emotional with everything with uh, going on before the game and stuff. Um, you know, I think that obviously had an effect on our group, but we recovered from it. Thought we outplayed them, you know, second and third period for the most part. I thought we were a better team, but we ended up short. Comment that the well, team, it could be. The team was too psyched up. I think the emotions really were <laughs> high, you know, before the game. And, um, you know, sometimes that can have a negative effect too, you know. And we're just, I think, you know, they were better than us in the first 10 minutes. The whole series. Keep working. I, I t- I'm not going to sit here and uh, question our team's work ethic tonight and competitiveness. It was high, and they played hard. Came up short, you know. Like I didn't like the two calls in the third period. I thought they were weak, and um, you know, we got to kill that penalty. Different game. Yeah, we just got to keep working. We're competitive tonight. We worked hard. We did a lot of good things tonight. Um, I liked a lot of things tonight. And, you know, we just got to keep building. You got to take, you know, you go go through stretches like this. Every team does. It's got to climb through. You got to be mentally tough. And, you know, you got to go through adversity at times. Yeah, no, I thought they were, yeah, I thought they had some, they did some good things out there, and um, Cairo was a nice goal he got. Um, I know he wasn't out there with those guys, but um, yeah, I just, I mixed guys up a little bit, and um, some good stuff. I thought, you know, I thought everybody was involved in the game tonight. Specifically those guys, they were really occupying some time. Yeah, it, yeah, they did a good job. Yeah, he's he's been really good. Uh, obviously, you know, scoring and and producing, but you know, he's just playing a hard game. He was he was a good player tonight, physical. Got another goal. Doing a lot of good stuff for us. Not one, but two fights. You see that maybe players just try to you know make something happen, get some energy going. Well, I mean. I think I'm not sure how uh, the Shen fight started. It's in front of the net. <clears throat> I didn't really look at it, but um, you know, I think they're not they're not happy with things the way they are right now. So that's what that's what players do sometimes. Where do you see the Where do you see the frustration level? And then that resolve was the big word last year. You guys had so much resolve. Do you see that holding true? Yeah. Um, 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure guys are you know really overly frustrated. I don't feel a lot of that um, to be honest with you. But again, there's frustration for sure because we're not winning. Like that's. But in game, I find that you know we're engaged in the games. I think guys are doing good things. Um, they're they're very talkative on the bench, supporting each other. So that's all good signs. You know, it's I don't find that we're showing frustration that much during the game. But obviously, there's going to be frustration. We're we're in a winning business, and uh, we're not getting enough wins right now. Jake Allen, what you think is? He was he was fine. I mean, I'm sure that he wanted the first two goals back, you know. I, like, but hey, it is what it is, and you know, we're a team, and we win and lose as a team, and we'll work our way out of it as a team. This is a tough tough stretch in terms of you're not going to have much practice time. You got a lot of games next week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we got to, you know, with a lot of we can we'll do it through video and things like that. We'll teach that way and show what we need to do. We did that today, and I thought that, you know, we were better um, than last game. So that's a good sign. That's Craig Berube. You know, if you listen to him, uh, it should make you feel a little bit better about how the Blues are. I mean, I, I laid it out there for you about how poor they've been defensively, but he likes the competitiveness. He likes the way they played in the second and third periods. They were not good in the first period, although they were ready to drop the gloves yesterday, weren't they? Man, a couple of huge fights, big wins, too, out on the ice. But they weren't able to get it going against the Predators offensively and then finally came alive. But defensively, they've been lacking. You listen to Craig Berube, though, he still sounds like the confident coach and a coach that knows that the team is going to turn the corner at some point as long as they keep playing on that competitive level. That's a week in review from the Blues coach. When we come back, we're going to go to Jupiter, Florida and get the latest on the St. Louis Cardinals. What's happening with them? Chris Raby is live with us down in our studio, our T.R. Hughes Broadcast Center. That's next. It's 1030. I'm Tom Ackerman, sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to the show. It's 1033. Let's go down to Jupiter, Florida, our T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium. That's where we find our own Chris Raby. How are you, Chris? Good morning, and how are things at spring training? Things are good. How are you guys? What's going on? Doing great. Uh, we're just rolling right along. Beautiful weather here today. Blue sky. We're expecting temperatures around 50 for a, a good day in St. Louis. And we are just uh, days away from the first Cardinals game on KMOX. That's exciting on February 22nd. Yeah, it is really exciting. And I think that, um, you know, as spring keeps moving up a bit, Tom, and spring gets perhaps a bit shorter, and the start of the season moves up. It's it's fun. Selfishly, I love it. I love getting to the games. You know, I was looking back uh, last night at a couple of the schedules from Springs past, and in 2014, 15, and 16, especially games didn't start until the first week of March. I think in 2015, games started on March the 5th, which is crazy because I was thinking a. What did we talk about on Sports Open Line for three weeks until the game started? And B, that's just a long time to sit around and wait for baseball. Now, it didn't seem long at the time, but with games now 
starting the last week of March and with the Cardinals breaking camp, you know, before that this year, especially to head to Texas and open up that new ballpark before they go to Cincinnati. It's exciting that a week from uh, yesterday, we'll have Cardinals baseball in the air. We can say this week there is Cardinals baseball in Camo X. That's right. Every Saturday from this point forward, there's a Cardinals game scheduled, uh, hopefully through November too. Uh, Chris, with the season starting so soon, March 26th and the first spring training game, February 22nd, if you're a Cardinals fan and you hear that one of your starters is dealing with an arm issue and can't throw that no matter what is said down there is going to be a concern he has a flexor tendon issue and that would be miles michaelis what's the latest on him as we sit here this morning yeah, so the Cardinals, we're going to see how Michael has felt today. There are no scheduled bullpen sessions today for Cardinal pitchers. Uh, but you're right. This is something that uh, crept up last year. This is something that Miles pitched through last year. He had a PRP injection at the end of last year and an MRI to make sure that there was no ligament damage. Uh, the Cardinals uh, determined again yesterday after more imaging that there is no ligament damage, but, um, you know, this is soreness in uh, the flexor tendon. That's kind of the tendon. I saw Derek Gould uh, describe it well on Twitter. When you make a fist, the tendon that kind of pops out, it connects, uh, you know, the forearm to the fingers. So uh, Miles admitted that he probably tried to get going maybe a little too quickly this year. Um, Michael has said he thinks that he could start the season on time as long as he can get his work in once uh, it feels better. His body's in good shape. He's been on a mound. He's thrown some bullpens. Schilt wouldn't put a timetable on it. But, you know, with spring starting as early as, as it does, Tom, you know, this is something that if it was 2014, 2015, you're talking about, you know, a couple of weeks and then reevaluate once the Grapefruit League season starts. The Cardinals right now are just saying, we're going to take this slow. Time is on our side. We'll see where we are. And they're not ruling anything out at this point in terms of when Miles could return and when he could appear in a game and how that could affect the start of the season. I guess the good news is they do have some depth in case something were to happen and he can't start the season with them. The first name that comes to mind is KK, Kong Young Kim, their lefty. Uh, what is the rotation depth looking like at this point? Who would be a candidate to grab a spot if Miles can't go? Well, how about Carlos Martinez? Because I don't think he was written in. I'm kind of like, I'm I'm almost putting him in right now. (laughs) Yeah, I think that right now the guys that, you know, when you arrive to camp, um, and I would have included Miles in that group, but you have Jack Flaherty, Dakota Hudson, Adam Wainwright. You certainly have Carlos Martinez. You have KK. Then you have Daniel Ponce de Leon, who pitched a ton last year. You have John Gant, who was stretched out last year in camp and certainly through a high volume of innings during, you know, last season, you have Austin Gomber. Um, you have a guy like Jake Woodford who who could emerge as someone who could take a spot in the rotation or, you know, someone that could be stretched out and could be that guy kind of like Ponce last year who bounces back and forth between the big leagues and triple M Memphis and, and gives you some starts and gives you some innings. So, you know, you certainly have um, a variety of guys. I think that could fill that role. It's kind of early right now just because we haven't really gotten a look at any of them. And almost assuredly, there will be more issues. There will be guys that will need to be slowed down. But you're right. You, you have a variety of options. And, you know, with that being said, 
I think the other important thing to consider is that you've got a variety of guys then that could work their way into the bullpen and could work their way into the back of the bullpen if someone like a Gant emerges as a candidate for the rotation or KK emerges as a candidate for the rotation when you thought that he would perhaps be someone who would be a big piece of the bullpen. So I think you've got coverage just about everywhere, and the Cardinals will uh, see how Miles progresses, see how he feels. Um, but certainly I think if you include Carlos as a starter, I think KK, Ponce, Gomber, Gant, uh, and then Jake Woodford, those are those are another five guys that certainly could be a spot, uh, whether it be at the start of the year or at some point this season. What's the Cardinals' rotation depth at the level below that? So if you looked ahead at the AAA rotation or even maybe some emerging stars from AA, who do you see in there? I guess Matthew Libertor is somebody that already is very eye-catching. Yeah, Libertor is a guy who uh, everyone is obviously very excited about. He'll be uh, a ways down in terms of um, what he'll be counted on. And, you know, not even sure how much we'll see him uh, when it comes to Grapefruit League games or what his role will be. But someone who's certainly, I think, soaking up uh, every opportunity to be here in camp and every opportunity to be around the big club in camp. Um, I think it starts with uh, some guys that were in a triple a last year. And, you know, I'll begin with Alex Reyes. The only reason I don't include him in that last group of five is that I think there's just an unknown Reyes, could be someone who could be stretched out and someone who could be starting at some level. He also could be someone who the Cardinals maybe decide, like Carlos over the last couple of years, is best suited to perhaps take on a role in the bullpen where some of the innings can be managed, and then you can see where he stands after that. But I think Jake Woodford and Henesis Cabrera are two great places to start. Woodford had such a good year last year. If you just look at it on paper, the ERA 4.15, he did start 26 games, though, in the PCL. That is a really, really tough place for pitchers to pitch, especially some of the ballparks out west that they go to. And if you take out just a couple of starts, he had one start where he gave up 10 earned runs and another start where he gave up seven earned runs. You know, if you take those two out, then uh, certainly the numbers look a lot different. I think Henesis Cabrera showed a lot of uh, steps when he went down and when he became a starter towards the end of the year for Triple M Memphis before he came back up and was recalled by the Cardinals. And he had a couple of dazzling starts, including uh, his last start of the year. It was against Omaha. He went seven innings, shut out ball, just one hit, walked two and struck out 12. Um, he was absolutely sensational. So I think Woodford and Cabrera are two guys uh, that you look at in that next group, guys that were at AAA last year and guys that, you know, I think the Cardinals would feel fairly comfortable uh, throwing into the mix if they needed to this year. And then, you know, the next level below that, which is Springfield, there are a number of guys who will see up here and who will see in camp. Johan Oviedo is one. He is a 21-year-old Cuban who you know, had incredible success at Palm Beach, was absolutely cruising along, was the Cardinals minor league pitcher of the month, I believe, in May last year, and then struggled with some control issues, struggled with, um, you know, making the leap to double-A ball last year as a 21-year-old, but he's someone that, you know, the team is very, very high on and who had a lot of success and who has had a lot of success uh, within the organization. So I think those are 
are three names outside of the group of, you know, Gomber, Ponce, Gant. Uh, I think that Woodford, Cabrera, and uh, Oviedo group is is a good one. And I think those are, are kind of the guys this year that we'll see a lot of this spring. You know, we always kind of see those guys who aren't uh, a part of the big league club or who are just on the verge maybe of breaking through. Last year, Tommy Edmond was certainly... Uh, one of those guys. So I think all three of those pitchers will probably see a lot of this spring. There will be some roster maneuvering as the Cardinals kind of move forward based on uh, what uh, they need to do from a numbers standpoint. For instance, Jake Woodford is on the 40-man roster. Uh, Oviedo is not. So that would be uh, a reason why you would see a Woodford or a Henesis Cabrera who's on the 40-man roster. But I think they've got a, a good group of, of guys kind of at that next year to be excited about. And Chris, finally, position players all must report. They're all coming in. That'll be happening tomorrow. Uh, what do you see as a storyline developing this week? I know that all those guys well, are basically in anyway. Yeah, certainly the outfield, Tom. Um, you know, I think that the thing that stands out to me most is is who's going to replace Marcelo Zuna and how are the Cardinals and, and what kind of production are the Cardinals going to get from, you know, the group that includes Lane Thomas, Tyler O'Neill, and also Dylan Carlson. Uh, there are a couple of other guys that could play their way into that discussion. Justin Williams is one of them that I think we'll probably see a lot of this spring. As long as he can stay healthy, he uh, kind of put an exclamation mark on his 2019 when he wrapped up in Memphis. But, you know, I think all eyes are going to be on Dylan Carlson to see what he can do. I think Lane Thomas and Tyler O'Neill, though, will have every opportunity to prove that that either one of them can be a big league everyday starter. You know, I think the organization really would have loved to see what Lane could have done last year if he hadn't hurt his wrist at the end of the year and what he could have provided down the stretch and, and into the postseason. So we'll get uh, certainly a look at those guys quickly because we'll have live BPs ramping up and then starting on Saturday. We'll have Grapefruit League action. So there will be a lot of at-bats to go around, a lot of innings to cover, and a lot of these young guys will be seeing a lot of baseball over the next couple of weeks. We'll get another report from you at 11.06. You're from the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center in Jupiter. Looking forward to some baseball right around the corner. And Chris Raby, we appreciate the visit very much. Yeah, good luck with the 50-degree uh, weather today. I think I'm going to go uh, once everything wraps up this afternoon, since there's no sports open line on the Sunday. Go find a golf course. I'll hit a couple for you. Atta boy. Hit him straight. Keep it in the fairway, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you guys. There's Chris Raby joining us from Jupiter, Florida. We'll take a quick break. We'll go back to Florida, Daytona. Chris Blair is standing by at the Daytona 500. He's next on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Lindbergh. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to KMOX. It's 1047 as we try to hook up with Chris Blair. Remember, it's pretty loud over there. It's the Daytona 500. They're just getting them thing, the, those things started over there. Noah Gregson won the uh, first Xfinity race, Series race with a win under caution yesterday at Daytona. That win, the third consecutive victory at Daytona for JR Motorsports. That's the team owned by Dale Earnhardt Jr. Let's go to Chris Blair, the general manager of Worldwide Technology Raceway. That's the first thing I think of. When I think of Daytona, I think of Dale Earnhardt. Don't you, Chris? Oh, yeah. It was uh, yeah, such a legendary uh, when he did finally win, and then 
you know, all the races that the preliminary races that he won leading up to it, you know, it was just a, it was such a given. It's probably one of the greatest days in sports. What's yeah. it, what's it like down there for you? I mean, we're getting ready for this spectacular race, which by the way, I have never attended. I've been to Daytona. That was for spring break. That's another story, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would love to go to it and I will. It's on my bucket list. I watch it every year. I always get chills at the beginning. What is it like for you? I think it's excitement this year. Uh, the whole week has been fantastic, not only here at the big track, but also at all the short tracks. There's a, a tremendous buzz. And, and then this, this industry, everybody always says that Daytona sets the tone for the rest of the season. And uh, if it starts out with you know just on a big wave, then we all ride out a big wave. And uh, what we've seen so far with the racing, the, the crowds, the just overall enthusiasm, the media coverage, I think it's going to be a really great year for NASCAR. Uh, I think that everything that I just mentioned, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, NASCAR Trucks, NASCAR does a great job, as you mentioned, of spreading it out and of giving people so many options, don't you think? Oh, they do. And it's you, you have an interest for you know, something for everybody. And their feeder system, their development system is absolutely incredible. You know, where else do you, do you get to see the feeder system play out on such a major stage with national television and uh, the, the amount of coverage all these races receive, whether it's the truck series or the Xfinity series? You know, you don't really see that with minor league baseball or in any of the other developmental sports. And uh, it's, uh, it's it's one of the great things that they do. And uh, you know, we saw that the other night, a tremendous truck race yesterday. It was a great Xfinity race. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, you know, like I said, it's setting the tone for the year. Everybody can come in here and see something and, and get really excited about what's happening this year. You know that I love radio. I mean, this is where it all started for me. I do do some TV, but I am a radio guy. And so Robert Highland, our uh, great uh, general manager for many years, would be upset if I said this. But the Daytona 500 is a great TV sport. It is an awesome TV sport. And I think NASCAR just in general is great TV. Heck, when the trucks race was on a couple days ago, I was glued. You know, I just love the way they present it, don't you? Oh, it's tremendous. And, you know, I always like to say, though, yeah, it's great on TV, but go buy a ticket and attend the actual race. That's yes. the, the promoter in me. I want to get people off the couch and get them to the racetrack. Uh, if they if they don't, it doesn't work out as nice for me. You know, But, uh, yeah, it, it, it is fantastic. And that race the other night, if you, go, if you watch that truck race, seeing Jordan Anderson almost win it, uh, it was just a tremendous finish. And, uh, you know, he's, he's our hometown boy now. He, uh, even though he's not from uh, St. Louis, his connection with Bomarito and all they've accomplished for such a small team and for him to come within inches of winning the race, and it's probably the greatest second-place finish in the history of racing, uh, he's uh, he's going to be the new uh, hero when it comes to underdogs. Yeah, he's, and, from South uh, yeah. Carol- he's from South Carolina, but so people know his truck, number three, has Bomarito Automotive Group right on it. I mean, what a great uh, advertisement for St. Louis just in general, that family-owned dealership. Well, that's funny the way it happened. Jordan showed up at our track a few years ago, a week early. He was working out of Kenny Wallace's shop, and he called us up and he said, hey, listen, uh, if there's anything I can do to help promote your race, I'd love to try to help you promote the race. And we gave him the trophy and had him going around doing different things with it, doing photos at the arch and everything. And uh, I asked him, I said, is there anything we can do to help you out? And he says, well, I need a set of tires. If you know anybody that'll buy a set of tires. And uh, we called John and Chuck over at Bomarito, 
and they agreed to do it and sponsor him. And as John and Chuck have told me numerous times over, that was the most expensive set of tires they ever purchased because here they are three years later. Uh, the, they're a major player on that team, supporting him at all the races, and it, it just, it's worked out so well. Jordan's become uh, a true representative of sports in St. Louis for what they're doing with that uh, that truck program. This is Chris Blair, the general manager of Worldwide Technology Raceway. It's St. Louis's racetrack, but it's really the region's racetrack. You have fans coming in from all over for your events, and you're going to have an unbelievable weekend, August 21st and 22nd. I, I want to ask you about what is this uh, watch party contest that you're doing? So you're asking people to take pictures of their watch party, and if they are selected, they get uh, a chance to win tickets to the NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader. Is that what's going on? That's what's going on. And, th- and that kind of came about, uh, you know, some of our groups at the track, John Bishi, our PR guy, he was from Buffalo, New York. Uh, Madison in her uh, social media department, she she would always watch the race from home with her friends. And we all we were talking one day about all the great Daytona 500 parties we used to have with our buddies. I mean, I used to come down here and would stay most of the week for the races and then drive home to Kentucky so I could watch the race with my friends because that was our big thing that we did every year. And we did that for many, many years. And we were talking about that and just wondering how many other people do the same thing. So uh, we were just kicking around some ideas, and I think it was Madison that came up with the idea of doing this uh, this whole program to see how our fans and our friends in St. Louis celebrate race day. So, uh, you know, it's uh, just an opportunity for all of our fans. We're trying to build this community, and we want our community engaged with what we're doing both locally and with the national scale. And uh, you know, it's just a good opportunity. We hope this grows for that every year people are hosting viewing parties and, and having a lot of fun and sharing it with us. And you know, one of the things we want to eventually grow into is having some programs they can do before the race even starts for their you know, being sanctioned as an official uh, WWT Raceway watch party. Chris Blair is joining us from Daytona at the Daytona 500. What is NASCAR? What's the buzz about St. Louis right now? It's great. I tell you, I've been walking through here. The number of fans, though, that I'm seeing from the St. Louis area that are here that are coming up to us. Uh, Curtis was Curtis Francois, the track owner, was here with me yesterday. And the number of people that were coming up and just saying, you know, how happy they are that uh, the track is doing so well. Uh, a lot of people are excited because our truck race and our IndyCar race are on the same weekend. And uh, there's a tremendous buzz about that. Um, you know, it, it's, just, it's really, really great. And uh, the feeling, the NASCAR loves what we're doing. We had a great meeting with Penske and his uh, group yesterday. You know, Roger Penske now owns uh, IndyCar and Indianapolis Motor Speedway, as well as teams that are racing here. And they're excited about what they're uh, hearing that we're doing. And uh, they know that our race, our IndyCar race, has been huge for the last three years. And now with this combination with the NASCAR Truck Series, uh, people think this is going to be the highlight of the summer, both on the NASCAR side and the IndyCar side, uh, for the, the what truly creating events. That's one of the things that Mr. Penske wants to do is make all of his races events, and that's what we're going to be doing here uh, and just continue to grow on what we've been doing at St. Louis. Well, I'll tell you this. If they were to select St. Louis for a cup race, they'll never regret it. That is a sports town, as everyone knows, St. Louis, that wraps its arms around events. You think of a world event like that, my gosh, the, the possibilities are endless, Chris. That, that is true, and that's one of those things we hope for. Uh, you know, you never know. I know we have a lot of people, a lot of fans are asking about it. Uh, a lot of re- former racers are asking about it. Kenny Wallace, you know, he's always down here lobbying on our behalf. But <laughs> we just have to wait and see. You know, we, our, we, our goal is, is we want to make sure that with the products that we are delivering, whether it's a truly successful NHRA race and 
this IndyCar race that we're doing. We just want to keep making them bigger and better and, and see what happens. And, uh, that's, you know, that's what we started out with. That was our mission. And uh, just kind of let our actions speak for themselves and see how things play out. Well, I know President Trump is going to be there today at the, the Daytona 500, so security is tight and everyone needs to be where they need to be, so we're going to make sure that you are where you need to be. We really appreciate <laughs> you stepping away for a little bit and joining us on KMOX. We had Kenny Wallace on last week and had you on this week, and we continue to focus on the racing community here in St. Louis. As right now, it's well represented at the Daytona 500 with Chris Blair, Curtis Francois, and many others. Appreciate it, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Tom. And all the racing community appreciates what you guys are doing for us, too. It's great. Oh, you got it. Absolutely. Thank you. There's Chris Blair, the general manager of Worldwide Technology Raceway. When we come back, the president of the St. Louis Battlehawks, Kurt Hunziker. He's in Houston. They have a game today. It's game day. Back after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.